0: Hey everybody! Welcome to the Going for Two podcast. And as disappointing as, as disappointed as I know you all are, we are more disappointed that Ben nor I got drafted
1: this year. No, but I mean, I'm going to go ahead and beat that dead horse of a joke that you know your cousin got drafted and Patrick Sertain. <laughs> so I think that I'm just going to continue to say that until it's not funny anymore. And uh, that was probably like four episodes ago, but you know, we'll I'll beat that dead horse.
0: Yeah, I, I wish we were cousins. Um, no, no, I honestly, I wish we were brothers. Like, no offense, Lucas, I'm not trying to kick you out. I just want another <laughs> brother, just one that's, you know, tall, athletic, uh, successful, and not saying that Lucas is not at least one of those things, but... Wow, you're really giving it to Lucas right now. <laughs> uh, sorry, Lucas, but athletic mm. is not... So, words that's been used to describe he or I uh for a very long time so
1: (laughs) wow no holding back sorry (laughs) but you know you're a nurse now so it's all okay
0: right so yeah so bendy i think i don't know about you but i think next year's our year i think so too yeah if it's
1: not the year that we're drafted it might be the year we go to the draft together i know you've been in the draft before uh but you know maybe we can like swing it so we can put like a, a card in Roger Goodell's hand, and he ends up <laughs> saying our names accidentally rather than, um, you know, someone else. So then we just walk up on stage, and, and then everybody just assumes we're the right pick, and and then yeah. we eventually sign, and we become millionaires and go on to have a very successful NFL career. I don't think I'm, that's too far fetched.
0: I know that it's true for me and I'm sure it's true for you too, but all we need is a chance, right? We'll <laughs> we'll prove ourselves. We just yeah. need a roster spot.
1: Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, we're we're very much NFL caliber players and we just need that chance. You're completely right. We can prove ourselves. It'll be like a cool movie. Um but so I'm, yeah.
0: I'm not going to go as far to say that I my playing style would be say uh, Trevor Lawrence um, esque, I'd I'd probably be more of a mix of say, um, I don't know if there's a good person in this draft class, maybe maybe like a mix of of Kyle Trask and Zach Wilson. In that I'm I'm a pure pocket passer, I'm not an outside the pocket runner, but I'm also probably a little shorter than you would like for a quarterback. Sure. So I'll say that. I'm, so Ben, as a linebacker, who is your comp in this year's draft class?
1: Well, for me, man, you know, honestly, my comp, one hundred percent, perfect comp. It was not. He's he's retired now, but it was it was a Zach uh, Zach Wilson. Um, hmm. That was that was like definitely my. I mean, not, sorry, not Zach Wilson. Um, Zach Taylor.
0: Zach Taylor. Okay. Zach
1: Taylor. <laughs> yeah. That. That didn't make a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Zach Taylor. Uh, but this year, um, man, you know what? I'll go uh, a much slower, uh, a much more stout, not as lengthy, Jamin Davis. I'll go okay. with that. Okay. Um, and we, we have both, uh, I presume this is accurate for him so far, but we've both been to the Redskins facility or the Hmm. Washington football team's facility at one point. So we have that in common, and that might be, you know, the entirety of uh, what we have in common so far. (laughs) But it's not a bad comp. I'll just say this. There have been worse comps leading up to the draft than that. Oh,
0: yes, yes. (laughs) Let's just say anything comparing anyone to Patrick Mahomes is a worse (laughs) comp than that. Like there's – there's not another Patrick Mahomes. Let's Fair. let's stop with that. <laughs> but okay, so excluding the, the comps that we just did, Ben, do you want to attack this draft recap, good to bad, or bad to good? Uh, let's do
1: bad to good. Let's let's end on a high note.
0: Okay, okay, bad to good. So Ben, dive right in. Who had the worst draft in your opinion?
1: Yeah. So um, this was a very interesting draft because I really didn't think there were too many teams that had necessarily bad drafts. Um, You know, I think in the past there have been teams that have just made like terrible draft choices basically across the board. I didn't think it was so obvious this year. Um, This wasn't my choice, but I will say that the Raiders were almost the team um, that were land, that landed that like really bad draft. But I think Mm -hmm. they were um, saved a little bit with that Trevon Morrig, uh, pick um, yeah
0: for sure
1: that was a really good pick especially where they got him Um, and so I was really impressed with that unfortunately as a division rival so um, you know the Raiders we were all shaking our heads with that uh, for their first round pick but you know I think they kind of saved themselves but keeping into the AFC West um, probably I think the worst draft was the Denver Broncos and I don't know Mm. how much influenced I don't know how much influence the Broncos had with maybe thinking that they'd get Aaron Rodgers, Right. Um, And so I don't know how much that played into it, but obviously they passed up taking Justin Fields who somehow fell to them and then um, passed up taking a chance on Mac Jones, who was there as well. So, you know, they passed up on the quarterback and then they went and grabbed your brother, Patrick Sertaine, and he, you know, he's a fantastic cornerback, my highest quarterback, quarterback in the draft, but it wasn't really a huge need for the Broncos. And then later in the draft, um, they grabbed, uh, I believe it was uh, running back. Um,
0: Javante Williams. The, yeah, Javante
1: yeah. Williams later. Um, and, you know, they've, they've got a decent running back core. So it just kind of left me scratching their head exactly what they were doing. I, I mean, I definitely understand you know, going the BPA route, but at a certain point in time, I think when you're a top 10 pick, you kind of need to fill your needs with that. So as I said, I don't think there were too many terrible drafts, um, but I think the Broncos kind of came away from the draft with still a lot of holes uh, on their team and they didn't fill them to the degree that they needed to. So that's my worst draft of um, the last week. Logan, What's yours? What is your team that you think drafted the most poorly um, two weeks ago?
0: Well, I'll, I'll actually give you a little uh, reaction to your worst draft. Yeah. Um, the way that I kind of scored my best and worst drafts kind of skews it. I do think it was a huge mistake for them to pass on Justin Fields. But it really does give you a, insight into the fact that some teams were not very high on Justin Fields. Um, The Broncos made the trade for uh, Teddy Bridgewater. The Panthers made the trade for Sam Darnold, not knowing if Justin Fields would or wouldn't be available. And when he was available for both of those teams, they both decided to stick with what they had. I do kind of question whether or not the um, Broncos thought they would get Aaron Rodgers, and they might still, Mm -hmm. but what that passing on, Justin Fields tells you is that they did not want to get stuck with him because even if you think you're going to get Aaron Rodgers you go ahead and draft the quarterback if you think he is potentially a franchise changer because then that's what you trade to uh, the Packers to get Aaron Rodgers is that quarterback but they decided to not go that route so that tells me they didn't They didn't believe that Justin Fields was worthy of a top 10 pick, which is crazy in my mind, but um, still. So I I actually think the Broncos, according to how I did it, and I'll explain that in a minute, I think they had a pretty decent draft, not at the very top, but probably in the second tier. Mm -hmm. So how I'm scoring this is I go through every pick for each team and pick out the number of players that I think are going to be impact players in their career for that team. And so obviously this is pure conjuncture. Um, It doesn't take into account uh, value of the pick, uh, where they spent the pick or anything like that. But Mm -hmm. really and truly the draft should be about getting impact players. So I think a successful draft is having the most impact players drafted. So um, from that standpoint, the two worst drafts in my estimation were the Saints and the Seahawks. Um, both had zero impact players according to uh, my grading scale. So you had the, the Saints, they ended up with, they took Peyton Turner, who we may mention his name a little later in the draft too, in the first round. Um, and just a lot of people I didn't have a lot of information on, and being that I'm a draft junkie, yeah, that that's not necessarily a good sign. Now, it could mm-hmm. prove to be fine, but the Seahawks only had three picks because they've traded away um, first-rounders and other picks to acquire players like Carlos Dunlap and Jamal Adams. But Dwayne Eskridge, Trey Brown, Stone Forsythe were, are not players I foresee – being impact players for the Seahawks. So both of those had zero um, quick mention that the Buccaneers Raiders Texans all drafted only one player that I thought would be an impact player.
1: Okay. Yeah. I like it. I, I, I appreciate you um, giving that respect to the other rounds. Cause I think we typically look at, you know, maybe the first or second round, But a lot of those, you know, the vast majority of Impact players come from obviously just proportionally the latter five rounds. So Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, we definitely have to consider that uh, as well. It was crazy. There was a lot of drama in the draft. I mean, uh, we – I can't remember. um, I think I was the person who said there would be – five quarterbacks taken in the first 15 picks I think you took the over on that um but that's what ended up happening yeah from a I mean it was crazy and there, there were so many trades in this draft right and so um I'm interested just to hear your take real quick on kind of the um give us a little bit of your analysis on like the, on the trades themselves and what you thought of them and uh, you know there were so many that happened the good the bad and the ugly of, of all the different trades that occurred
0: right and and obviously <clears throat> in all of this' we'll, we won't know the you know what worked and what didn't until these players play and until their careers play out but we can always always speculate and always say well they gave up too much they gave up too little a lot of the compensation details there's so many trades like you said it's hard Hard to know all that information, but um, I'll, I'll touch on the ones that made a lot of sense. The Bears trading up from uh, 20 to number 11 to take yeah. Justin Fields. Yeah. Um, again, another name we're going to mention a little later. Pro- I'm going to mention at least in the podcast. Um, I think that made a lot of sense. The Giants uh, probably got the player they tar- would have targeted at 12. Or at, I'm sorry, at 11, they picked uh, Kadarius Tony at 20. Um, I think that's who they was next on their list of kind of needs. Not maybe their best player available, but they wanted that playmaker. They got jumped by the Eagles to uh, secure Devontae Smith. So he was not available, Um, which leads to another trade. That trade right there was great for the Cowboys to move back two spots and pick up what I think was the best defensive player in the draft. And then a theme that I think we saw later in the first round and then as well in rounds probably two, three, and four was people trading up into those rounds from the later rounds, packaging multiple picks in later rounds because... there was not the same amount of information this year that there normally is. Yeah. So without those medical checks, without those in-person interviews, without the scouts being at practices talking to team personnel, teams were, one, prioritizing known commodities. You had more players picked from big schools that played full seasons. And two, they were prioritizing next year's picks higher than they normally would. So they believe things are going to move back towards normal and that they'll have better information in next year's draft. So you had teams that were trading down and out of this year's draft saying, you know what? Let's kick this can down the road. I don't know if any of these guys are good. We don't have a good feeling about them. So let's move out. And then you had teams saying, let's move up because these three fifth round picks are probably all going to miss, but I'm pretty sure about that one fourth rounder or that one third rounder and he's on the board right now. Let's go get him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you made a great point about the value of the picks next year being a little bit higher than this year because they're just a little bit more of the known quantities and you know what you're Mm -hmm. getting. So um, yeah, there, so yeah, I think that definitely was what kind of, was the impetus for all of these different trades. So yeah, crazy trades. Really, really
0: fun to watch. Yeah. It was fantastic this year. It was exciting. So Ben, I think I think I know where you're going to go and it's probably the same place I'm going to go, but who had the biggest reach of the draft?
1: You know, I I wouldn't be surprised if we ended up saying the same player. Um but I'm going to go ahead and stay in the AFC West. Um, I think Alex Leatherwood mm-hmm. going to the Raiders uh, with their, I believe it was pick 17, somewhere around there. It was a, 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 high, a very high reach. Um, there were numerous offensive linemen, let alone other players that were significantly better than Alex Leatherwood. Uh, and they went with selecting him. Um, you know, I understand uh, their desire for an interior offensive lineman with rodney hudson exiting this offseason um but they still they took uh moves in the offseason to fill some of those roles and so it was really weird to see them bring in an interior offensive lineman that early and then also bring in alex <laughs> leatherwood when there are other people that were on the board um and so it was just it was certainly a reach and i think that was really highlighted by them being the Raiders and them um, really not picking super well uh, in the first round of the last several years. Um, I mean, they drafted um, uh, F- uh, Farrell. Um, mm-hmm. His first name is escaping right? I mean, Cleveland, right Cleveland. Yes, that's right, Cleveland Farrell out of Clemson, um, the defensive lineman, and he had a really poor rookie year. Um, you know, and they also went with uh, Damon Arnett. Um, not last year the year before and he was that uh, Ohio State cornerback who was kind of coming off an injury um, so he was uh, kind of along the same lines actually of Alex Leatherwood with like a talented player but not talented enough to justify being picked with the spot that I, both Damon Arnett and Alex Leatherwood were picked um, and then last year you know they they picked um, was it Henry Ruggs they picked last year yeah, And so, yeah, so that was when, you know, there are other players that were arguably better with Jerry Judy still on the board and folks like that. So they just had some questionable draft picks. And I think that kind of exact was amplified a little bit more this year. Um, and, you know, if they got a lot of flack for it. Um, so we'll see if Leatherwood plays up to, you know, justify his position of, of being drafted there at 17. Was that, was that who you had as well?
0: That is who I had. Um yeah. And like I said, I'm not going to crucify one team for making one bad pick. I'm going to look at the whole, whole, holistic right. view of their draft. And um, I will say that Leatherwood is on the on the verge for me. I'm I'm leaning pretty significantly towards not going to be an impact player for them, but he's he's on the edge. You know, an Alabama offensive tackle as a generally good success rate in the NFL but not hearing great things about Leatherwood specifically so um that's why I don't I only have them making one impact selection uh in this year's draft um but I also like to look at this like if you had flipped their first two picks and they took Morig the safety out of TCU in round 1 and Leatherwood in round 2 we wouldn't be sent sa- we'd be saying those were both good picks yeah yeah and that's, and that's what's crazy about the draft. And what I kind of see a trend with the Raiders is, like you said, these questionable picks, but they also will make some some surprising value selections in later rounds, where, yeah, they missed on Cleveland Farrell, Fer- but the same year they drafted Max Crosby, who who's probably outperformed his draft status. Mm-hmm. And while Henry Ruggs was not the best receiver in that draft class, They've also recently taken uh, Hunter Renfro with, I think, a sixth round pick who I think Hunter Renfro is going to be a productive player for 12 to 15 years, but potentially a a player in the mold of Wes Welker and Julian Edelman. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's that's a very uh, valuable selection for them. So it's it's interesting. I still don't think they had a a great draft, but I think the issue may lie in how they stack the top of their board. So you see them take value at late rounds, but they're, they just seem to miss on those top guys. And you almost think like, okay, Mike Mayock, John Gruden, Hey, why don't you, you know, figure out what you think. Then listen to some league sources, watch NFL network for a day and just see if you're way off base. Like I'm not saying you have to agree with everything that's put out in the media, but if you are way off on a bunch of players, maybe you need to reassess. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, and they, I, you make a really good point. If their one and two were flipped, we'd be sitting here saying, "Wow, that was that was a really good good draft, actually." And that w- they weren't the only team to kind of take that strange um, position of, of drafting a player of kind of reaching for that number one player and then having the number two player fall to them somehow. So what I'm getting at uh, is the Washington football team who drafted Jamin Davis. And, you know, it wasn't as much a reach as Alex Leatherwood. He's a talented player, but a lot of people were kind of wondering, you know, was that the best linebacker off the board? And, um, you know, a few of my friends that are Washington fans really wanted um, JOK out of Notre Dame instead of Jamin Davis. And then sure enough, JOK was still available uh, for the Redskins to select in the second round and they didn't select him. And so I think if they did select JOK in the second round um, and Jamin Davis in the first round, we would kind of be saying it's a simple scenario, like a good draft, but it would have made more sense for those two. Um, positions to flip. So it kind of just makes me wonder like how freaked out this year about with some players not playing and some players playing and COVID and it just being a strange year and players opting out, you know, because some of the picks really didn't make sense. And then there are also a decent amount of players that should not have dropped as far as yeah. they did drop. So that was, I, and I think obviously that's going to happen every year. But I think that was even more so the case this year. So I think definitely this past college football year had a, had a big impact on the, um, uh, kind of on the uh, confidence that folks had That's while true. drafting.
0: So what do you think was the biggest surprise for you from this draft?
1: Yeah, so the biggest surprise, I'm kind of uh, using, uh, I'm kind of using some, other answers that I've had um, in the podcast already, but I'm going to go ahead and harken back to the Denver Broncos passing over a quarterback Um, that I'm it's kind of a twofold surprise because the Denver Broncos probably, you know, if you told me that Justin Fields and Mac Jones were still available at 10 for the Broncos, I would have um, definitely said, Oh, wow, they're going to go with selecting one of those quarterbacks, but they didn't. So that was a surprise, but then, as I said before, they selected Patrick certain and that's a position that they don't really need help at. Um, so that was an additional surprise. So I really was was shocked at what Denver did at that number 10 pick um, all around. Um, and then I, I don't want to use, I don't know if this is yours, so I apologize if I'm taking it and, and double dipping a little bit. But, you know, obviously that the Bears moving up, to get Justin Fields was, I mean, I, I don't know if it was so much a surprise because surprise in this context kind of um, intimates like a, a poor decision, but I think, you know, I think Chicago did a great job moving up, but it was a surprise. It was surprised that he fell that far. And it was a surprise that, you know, Chicago was like, let's do this. Um, but it was a good surprise. And I think Chicago is going to feel um, confident in what they've got for years to come with, with that move.
0: Yeah. So my biggest surprise um, was probably, man, the Justin Fields slide got me pretty good. And m- like you said, moving right past Denver, yeah, uh, Panthers at nine, Broncos or Panthers at eight, Broncos at nine, and falling all the way to eleven when the Bears traded up was was a big surprise for me. Ah, uh, JOK making it out of the first round and into the middle of the second round was a big surprise for me. Yep, Leatherwood being selected was a little bit of a surprise, and then a little bit of oh yeah, um, the Raiders took an unconventional pick, and it was a player from Alabama. That that kind of checks out. Like I I could have <laughs> seen that happening.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's very true. I know it's just the I think all Alabama players are basically on the Patriots or the Raiders.
0: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think so. So, yeah, there were there were quite a few surprises um, in this year's draft. It, it, that first night was entertaining for sure. And it, it always seems so fast, too.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Even when it, first night they're taking the most time, but it's also they have the most to say about these players. You're trying to figure out, like, oh, who – what this this team did what and then in later rounds if you're really trying to keep up with it good luck because trades are coming fast and furious and players are going off the board and they're not even talking about the player that just got picked anymore they're like 10 picks behind and they might even skip over 7 to jump to the next one they want to talk about so it's a it's a whirlwind <laughs> yeah yeah that's for sure so i think Best value pick. Uh, I've kind of got three. There is one that's a clear winner, but one that I wanted to touch on was the Cowboys taking Micah Parsons, I think was a huge value pick. I think you pluck him out of this draft and put him in many others throughout the past few decades. And he could be a top five pick, uh, if not a top one or two pick, because Mm -hmm, I think he's just that special of a player and a prospect. Um, another one that comes to mind as a, a good value was the bears. We've already kind of talked about that, but I think, uh, the bears getting Justin Fields at 11 was a huge value. Cause I think he was the second best quarterback in this draft and I don't think he's the second best player. Um, I'd probably put him behind, um, maybe Sertain and, uh, Parsons, um, I'm not sure. Maybe probably Chase and Pitts. So he's probably a a top 10 player in the draft, but the second best quarterback in my eyes. So getting him at 11 is is a huge steal, even considering that they gave up future first round pick. Um, But my biggest value pick was the Browns taking Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa in the middle of the second round. I, I thought there was no way he should be there. I've heard that there was a a medical concern with his heart, but they say it's all going to be fine. I think a lot of teams were being cautious. I also heard that there was questions about his scheme fit and where do you play a two hundred and twenty pound linebacker? Yeah. I then from people that I trust and and you know watching that some of him play at Notre Dame, I agree. I, I heard this somebody said. I think it was Daniel Jeremiah said if you can't find a spot on your defense for JOK, get a new defense. <laughs> yeah. Because he's a playmaker. Yeah, and or get it, a new defensive coordinator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that was the biggest value pick in the draft. What do you think, Ben?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I definitely agree with um, with everything you said about that. I think JOK falling as far as he did was really surprising. Um, I think one of the biggest value picks in the draft – uh, was Gregory Rousseau, uh, edge out of Miami. I think he's a really talented, uh, huge defensive end. And he went to the Bills, which I think is a phenomenal fit for him and that defense there. Uh, he can help kind of solidify that defense a little bit more. And they're a team that's ready to compete for a Super Bowl. And so getting an edge rusher, uh, a position that is so important for the success of your football team um was a fantastic move for them I thought it was great value um you know it, it's kind of hard to say um who the best edge rusher in this class was sure. um I mean there was you know Quitty Payne um and uh Jamin um Let's see, Jalen. What's his Jaylen, last name? Right.
0: Jalen Phillips.
1: Jalen Phillips. That's right. Um, yeah.
0: You know, so, he, so you don't have any concern about Rousseau's bend or athleticism.
1: I don't. You know, not not so much. I mean, he's he's a very he's a big guy. You know, mm-hmm. and so I think that's where the concern lies. Um, if he can get low enough, basically, um, and for me, you know, I think I, I, he may not necessarily be the edge edge rusher. He might not be a stand up addresser, but he might play more so of a, um, a little bit more of like a, a five tech or someone who's who's inside the line a little bit yeah. more um, than outside than on the the outside shoulder of the end offensive lineman. And so I think he can kind of play in that position, stay low. Um, and if he's if he's able, that's like the one thing he's so tall. But if he's able to stay low, oh man, that, I mean, that's cause he's, he's a rare combination of length, but he's also got muscle on him. And so we've had, we have other guys that enter the league that are kind of all length sometimes like a Tago Charlton kind of comes to mind that are um, Brian Burns, Randy Gregory. Yeah. Right. Who um, you know, Gregory and Charlton have not had the success that Brian Burns has had, but this guy I mean Gregoriso, he's he's big he's lanky and he's muscle he's strong too so it'll be really exciting to see him play in that that Bill's um defense and I think it it's sort of like your discussion on JOK with uh you know if, if you can't figure out a position to play um uh, to play Greg Russo then you know you need to think about your defensive coordinator because he's a, a huge talent and it may be that he needs to come in a little bit more, um, you know, or maybe split out a little bit more so he can get a, uh, so he can practice getting lit a little bit lower. But I think yeah. if he manages to do that, then he'll be, he'll be a great defensive player in this draft.
0: Yeah. I think uh, that the question about Rousseau, you know, his pro day numbers didn't impress. He is a, physical specimen from the size weight standpoint. Um, but you plugged in Jalen Phillips who had an excellent pro day and, you know, you got similar results. So, yeah, you know, what, what do you want? Do you want a technician? Do you want an athlete, a freak athlete? Do you want someone who just has crazy production numbers? Cause he's, he's got those production numbers. 15 and a half sacks in 2019 was I believe the number Uh and it's interesting because somebody some will tell you well he didn't even know what he was doing he's still learning the game he used to play safety and then others will point out that most of his sacks came on downs where he was moved inside and rushed against guards not against tackles so it's it's an interesting conversation with rousseau um i think you know what the bills had to pick from there it was a good value because getting a guy that had a 15-sack year in college late in the first round is is good value no matter what. Um, and what they had to decide was, okay, do we, do we pick this guy who had this production or do we gamble on an athletic freak who didn't maybe have the production or someone who is a little less tested, a little less proven? So actually what they did was they did both, right? They took Gregory Rousseau in round one and they picked Carlos Basham in round two. So they those are both edge rushers, different style players, and they're going to throw numbers at their edge rush moving forward, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we've hit on best value. Now who do you think, what team or teams had the best draft overall?
1: Yeah, so overall, you know, I was really impressed with uh, the home team, the Cleveland Browns. Um, You know, they had, I think they had a really nice pick, uh, a nice selection all over the um, board. You know, they started round number one with taking Greg Newsom out of Northwestern, one of the uh, highest ranked cornerbacks in the draft Mm -hmm. going into it. And that was, I mean, him falling to 26 was really beneficial for the Browns. I think that they um, did the right thing in selecting him. And then they're the team that ended up getting the guy that we've been talking about all episode with JOK. Yeah. Um, you know, the Redskins picked him up and they said, wow, he's still sitting here. Let's go in and, and grab him. Um, they had some needs going into the draft at wide receiver and they were able to um, pick up a, a third round wide receiver with Anthony Schwartz. And another thing that the Browns did with, their draft was that they, they bolstered their offensive line in the fourth round by selecting James Hudson, James Hudson, uh, who's a tackle, and then they also bolstered the other side of their line on the defensive side with drafting a tackle, uh, and then in the sixth round with their last pick, uh, they they drafted a running back position to kind of help out, um, you know, to make sure that that double tandem of um, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Um, has a reliable guy in the backfield with them as well. If, if one of them should get injured or, or have to miss some time, so I, I I was really impressed with what the Browns did. Um, I mean, their first two picks, being able to land Greg Newsom and JOK with a defense that already has Miles Garrett on it. I mean, that's a whew, that's a, that's going to be a, a very um, strong defensive front seven for years to come. So I'm really excited to see that. Um, so that was that was my team, the Cleveland Browns, that I thought had the best overall draft.
0: Man, I'm, I'm so excited that we're covering, I feel like, so much ground on the draft in this episode because we've not necessarily butted heads, but we've had differences of, of opinion in just the, the level of value that teams got out of the draft. Um, in my metric of, you know, how many... Impact players did they get? I got two teams that drafted four impact players. Those teams are the Ravens and the Jets. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to start with the Ravens. Let me get to it real quick. So Baltimore, the four impact players that I see that they drafted are Rashad Bateman, uh, receiver out of Minnesota in round one. Um, Jason Owe, who... I guess we called him Jason through the whole draft process. And then on draft night, they displayed, I guess, maybe his legal first name as Odafe Owe. And that, that kind of threw me, but I thought, no, okay. I thought Jason Owe had a brother that got drafted. And then no, no <laughs> that, that's him. Okay. Penn state. He's the physical specimen who had uh, zero sacks last season. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. But mm. it's still, I mean, He's a guy that could develop into a great player. So uh, Bateman, Owe, and then in round four, they got Tyland Wallace, a guy who terrorized Texas every time he faced them. So I, I think Tylen Wallace is a, a steal. And I also kind of hate that for uh, Devin DuVernay, a Texas player who is with the, the Ravens, who's had, you know, had a, a nice start to his career uh, mm-hmm. there. I think he's a good player, but you know, they had needs at receiver. They attacked that need. So, Tylen Wallace, I think, is going to be an impact player. And then Sean Wade, um, who slipped all the way to round five, who was last year projected to be a first-round pick. Wow. He's not an outside corner. He is the start and end, beginning, middle, and end of the story on Sean Wade. He is a slot corner. And if you play him as a slot corner, he will be an impact player. Mm -hmm. um that's my firm belief on him so that's why i have the ravens being one of the top teams or having one of the top drafts the other team the jets let's get down to them new york jets zach wilson while i don't think he was the second best quarterback i do see him being an impact player um, I would have said the same thing about Sam Darnold. I thought he'd be an impact player. And and given the right circumstances, I still think Sam has that capacity. Um, I think Zach does. I think he'll be in the right offense to thrive with that uh, Shanahan system scheme. They traded up to pick 14 in the first round to get Elijah Vera Tucker, mm-hmm. um, who's going to probably kick inside to guard and they're going to have a nasty left side of their offensive line with Makai Becton and Vera Tucker. Yeah. I think they got another impact pick in third at uh, round two, pick 34, Elijah Moore going Elijah and Elijah um, in back-to-back picks and interesting uh, symmetry, which they'll, you know, do some more symmetry later in the draft. But um, Elijah Moore was, Reportedly, a lot of teams' fourth-best receiver, um, not counting Kyle Pitts, so Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, um, Devontae Smith, and then a lot of teams had Elijah Moore being their fourth-best receiver, and he slips to the Jets in round two. He is going to be a stud from all indications. Mm -hmm. And then Michael Carter, which is another one that I probably should have mentioned with best value – was a lot of people's um, fourth best running back slid all the way to round four pick one oh seven Michael Carter out of North Carolina part of their dynamic one two punch with Carter and williams um, so the other part of their symmetry is that they also picked Michael Carter the second out of Duke. <laughs> in the fifth round. So they picked two Michael Carter's and two Elijah's with different spellings. Very interesting. I think I should give more points to the jets just for doing that. um, And say that they had in my estimation, the best draft.
1: Yeah. They had a, you know, that was a draft um, that I really, I really liked what they were able to do. Um, You know, I think the, the point that sticks with me is, you know, was, Elijah Tucker worth trading up to the degree that they did and I think there can be arguments made for it and arguments that would be made against it but at the end of the day I think that you know bringing in Zach Wilson that was the biggest piece of the puzzle um, and they were able to get some deep guys like you were talking about so I was impressed what they did but yeah I mean the Ravens were another one that I, I was really impressed with they did um, I mean being able to get Rashad Bateman at the spot that they did was tremendous we all know that team Really need some help at wide receiver. Now, uh, Lamar Jackson's going to get that with Hollywood Brown and Rashad Bateman. So that was fantastic. Um, you know, we'll see how the Jets do having a UNC guy and a Duke guy. Uh, there may be some <laughs> turmoil in, in New York, but to be determined. Um, but yeah, I mean, both of those teams had fantastic drafts. I don't think that anyone can argue, can argue that. Um, and you know the jets definitely needed to have a fantastic draft oh, um, for sure so they're they're kind of uh putting all their they're like the anti uh Oklahoma City Thunder they're putting all their eggs in you know this basket
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um hoping that they get a good ROI and uh, it's it's going to be remain it's going to remain to be seen but you know it's looking good so far
0: yeah and not to not trying to brag, but I, the more we discuss it, the more I'm liking the model that I kind of came up with to to grade the draft. In that, it's 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 pretty equal. So, what do we tend to do? We tend to overvalue the quarterback position, and yes, it's it is the most important position. But you know, the jet the Jags didn't get any extra points for picking Trevor Lawrence. They got one point because they got they filled one need, um, whereas the Ravens and the jets I see is feeling potentially four needs. And so I didn't take into consideration the draft compensation given up to move up in this year's draft, because that'll hit them next year. You know, if they gave up picks next year, then their next year's draft probably isn't going to have as many impact players, Yeah, but you look at it over the span of, of a decade and you probably feel you'll probably see that um, if I'm accurate with projecting, who are going to be the impact players, that this model is actually more successful at, at predicting successful drafts than models that skew heavy to first rounders or skew heavy to quarterbacks in impact positions.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So I'm interested to hear your take on the hometown team, the team that's not too far from you. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys, you know, they they like you said you like the Michael Parsons pick. I think a lot of people liked it. What do you think of their overall uh, draft as a whole?
0: I'm not a big fan. If I'm Mm -hmm. if I'm being honest, Uh, my my model does not put them as a as a top team in the draft because they pretty much got one home run and then a bunch of question marks. So I give them a second. a second impact player in Jabril Cox in the fourth round, so another good value pick. But you know they picked uh, Kelvin Joseph when round two, pick forty-four. What pick did the Chargers use on Asante Samuel Jr.?
1: I think it was a third round pick.
0: I thought it was a second rounder, but I'll I'll check on that. Let's see, pulling up now. Let's see. Second round, forty-seven. Three second picks 46. later,
1: two forty-seven. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, yeah. So three picks later, Asante Samuel was still on the board, and that's that's probably the biggest one that had me scratching my head. Like you missed out on JC Horn and <clears throat> and Patrick Sertain, uh, Greg Newsom, or Caleb Farley didn't fall to you in the second round. That's fine. You didn't make a move up to go get him. That's fine. But you had the guy there. Asante Samuel was sitting there waiting for you. So, really and truly, I would have been, <clears throat> I would have been ecstatic if the Cowboys traded their first two picks with the Chargers' first two picks. And that's what we're going to jump to next: is is your favorite team and the Chargers getting Rashawn Slater and <clears throat> Asante Samuel Jr. If the Cowboys had picked them at pick uh, twelve and pick. 44 I would have been I would have been happy no we wouldn't have gotten Parsons but we would have shored up that offensive line this this Cowboys team is not going to win games with their defense this year they're going to win games on the back of Dak Prescott and with the legs of Zeke Elliott Um, and they're not going to do that if Dak Prescott is on his back because Tyron Smith is in the ice tub You know, so Mm -hmm. I would have been happy with an offensive lineman an elite offensive lineman being picked at the top of the draft and a good corner uh, being picked in the second round, which there were some available. I'm just not as high on Kelvin Joseph. They obviously had a theme of players that they were looking at, and I think they stuck to it pretty truly. And we'll see if it works out. I hope that it does, but I can't say in my professional opinion that it will. Yeah. Yeah, I mean,
1: as far as the Chargers go, I was really excited with their draft. Um, I think a lot of people were really impressed with it. Somehow uh, Slater fell to us, and we did the right thing and uh, selected him. You know, we yeah. were looking for an offensive lineman. We were looking for a really talented offensive lineman. And that's what we ended up getting. Um, you know, you could argue that he's the second best offensive lineman in the draft. And so I was really, really glad he fell to us. Um, Some put
0: him as the top offensive lineman in the draft.
1: Yeah. And so the fact that, you know, he can, I mean, that's been our biggest need for five years Um, and Sam Tevy is uh, he's gone. He's, he's been a starter slash rotational player for so long, but he's one of the worst tackles in the league. And so being able to um, move away from him and transition to um, Slater on the line um, is, is tremendous. That's a huge improvement and it's going to help Herbert, add on his 31 touchdowns that he had last year so i'm really ecstatic about that um and then obviously um asante samuel jr coming in and being able to get him in the second round um was key for us uh casey hayward you know moved on um so we don't have that presence anymore in our secondary um derwin james is supposed to be back and it'll be back but he didn't play last year because of an injury and so we'll see how he comes back from his injury last year but you know we've seen these um i mean in a great example is derwin james we've seen these players in the secondary specifically in the charger secondary be able to make an impact right away uh and now another florida state player is going to join our secondary so i'm super excited um for what they were able to do in the, in the first couple rounds
0: yeah i think the chargers had a good draft um I only show them with two impact players, but that's that's about average, is what I've seen. Mm-hmm. You know, I think good was three impact players, great was four, uh bad was one, and terrible was zero. So <clears throat> chargers fit in the Chargers fit right there with the Cowboys with with the same number of impact players according to what I think, which uh means little to nothing, but um <laughs> You know, I'm sure you were happy about uh, Chris Rumpf going in round four. Duke player as well to your Chargers.
1: Yeah, I love that. Uh, that's my favorite uh, player now. So we will say the Chargers <laughs> did kind of make a interesting pick with uh, bringing Trey McKinney before. Brevin Jordan was still on the, uh, still on the board. So that was kind of yeah. an interesting pick. But, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what's going on with that. Um, yeah,
0: I, I wanted uh, the Cowboys to get Jordan. I thought – upgrading their tight end position would have been, would have been great. And that was the player I would have targeted, but I yeah. don't know much about a lot of these players outside of pits. So. Yeah. Right. Right. So that is, you know, now that we've, I think we've done a, a pretty, um, pretty good job of covering a lot of the NFL draft. We haven't hit on only the first round, uh, we haven't hit on just the good or just the bad. We've hit on our favorite teams and our least favorite teams. I think we've pretty well covered the second biggest NFL storyline. Don't you think?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Definitely the second by a, a wide margin.
0: Yeah. Un- unfortunately in my estimation, because it's, it is my Super Bowl is the draft. I, I love it. But then what are you, Generally, what are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers saga?
1: Yeah, it is a saga indeed. Um, I think that it it sounds like he'll be no longer a Green Bay Packer. Um, You know, I don't know all the details around because there's a lot of, you know, speculation when anybody comes out and says they want to move on because there's it's more than just a player moving on, right? It's more than just a player saying, well, I no longer want to volunteer my services for your organization. There are contracts involved, and sometimes there are draft picks involved, trades involved, free agencies, extensions. So it's more than just a player walking away. Um, And, you know, I don't think that Aaron Rodgers, uh, if I had to put money on it, will be a Green Bay Packer anymore. Um, So I'm taking, you know, I'm I'm taking what he's saying very seriously. Um, I think that the reports are generally all consistent in that he wants out. The biggest question is where he ends up. I think that's kind of been the question mark right now. You know, there have been sources discussing the Broncos or the Raiders. Um, But I think for me, I feel much stronger that he won't be there than I do knowing where he'll end up. What do you think? Mm.
0: Every day I feel less confident about this, but I still think that he does not get traded before the beginning of the season. Um, I would be willing to bet a substantially, substantially more on that fact than whether or not he's played his last snap for the Packers. Um, that I... You know, I I was thinking, no, they're gonna work this out, and now I'm thinking, yeah, maybe they're not gonna work this out. Yeah. Like when he's calling for the GM's job, saying that's the only way that he's going to stay. It would make sense. It it would make sense if um, Deshaun Watson was doing that in Houston, because the GM slash head coach was doing a terrible job. But in Green Bay, they've put together a roster that's taken them to the NFC championship twice in the, in the last two years. Right. Yep. They were in the NFC championship mm-hmm. both years. Yep. Yeah. You, you don't really have grounds to say fire this guy. Like, I I don't know. Um, I still think that the Packers are going to play it pretty hard nosed um, as I think they should. They have a, a hall of famer on their team under contract. I can't fault them for for not wanting to give him up. And for also, like, look, they have no reason to give anyone else any advantage. So unless a trade proposal comes across that is in their advantage to take it now, I don't see them taking it until much closer to the start of the season and most likely after the start of the season.
1: Yeah, and I, it's just, you know, kind of tying our two segments together, it was really surprising, I think, to see the, the Packers not draft a wide receiver. <laughs> like, it's especially with if all that proceeded um, days before the draft, which, which I don't think it did. There were reports coming out saying that it this has just been kind of a, a, a thing that's been happening. Um And so I don't necessarily think it was like Aaron Rodgers a day or two before was like, I want out. And then the Packers were like, we're not going to draft a wide receiver. I don't think it happened like that. But I think it's still significant that they didn't draft a wide receiver in the first round. Um, you know, I think it's going to show it. Like, I think he's disgruntled a lot of what happened in the draft last year. Um, I think mm-hmm. he took it very personally. Um, I think that he's a lot more upset um, that they drafted Jordan Love and that they didn't draft a wide receiver, like, in the yeah. first round either years. And he's sitting there, and I know he's sitting there, because he's a competitor, too. He's sitting there watching uh, Tom Brady win his, oh gosh, se- seventh? Seventh. <laughs> seventh, oh my gosh, his seventh Super Bowl. And Aaron Rodgers is thinking, you know, I'm I'm better, talented-wise, than Tom Brady. Why don't, and I have one Super Bowl. So, you know, and I'm almost, I only have a few more years to play left, and he's getting upset. And he wants to win at least two more Super Bowls. And so he's he's feeling it. And I think that's where it's coming from. I think it's not just disgruntled GM office stuff, but I think he's feeling like I have to win now. I've been so close, not just the past two years, but before that, um, you know, with with Dallas, when they, uh, you know, play Dallas in a few of those um, NFC playoff games, like he's so close Mm -hmm. and he, he wants to win another Super Bowl. And so every move that, the front office makes uh, has to be a win now move for him to be satisfied, and that's not exactly how they're thinking. So I think that's where a lot of the discord is coming from.
0: No, and I, I completely agree with that. But if and we can't read Aaron Rodgers' mind, we can't read it through the press clippings. We he has not gone on record saying any of this that he wants a trade or anything like that. Now, it's pretty widely known, but. His, mind behind, his mindset behind it is not, not 100% clear. But if that is his mindset, there's a lot of hypocrisy in that um, that I, I don't think can go un, unrecognized. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hypocrisy that if he's comparing himself to Brady, he's not taking the pay cuts that Brady took for years and years and is still taking now. I think Brady makes $25 million, which is half of what Patrick Mahomes' contract is, to put yeah. that in perspective. So, if Brady or if, if Rodgers wants to be put with, given the surroundings that Brady has, he can't keep demanding a new contract to be paid as one of the top guys. You got to look at the, the Joe Flacco situation that, that Rodgers could be painting himself into, the uh, Russell Wilson situation, where those guys took a large percentage of the cap and watched pieces leave because they couldn't afford to pay them. And there is blame to go around all the way around. The Packers front office, I have actually think they've done a really good job drafting and assembling the team that they have. Where they have messed up is in handling Aaron Rodgers. Um, And the proof is in the pudding, right? It doesn't matter if you think you did it all right, If you think you'd do it all the same again, if you didn't get the desired results, then you didn't do it good enough. Yeah. Um, And the opposite is true as well. If you did get the good results, you did well enough. So that proves to me that last year's draft and not taking a wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers was not a mistake. They had Alan Lazard and MVS playing at above average level. And, yes, part of that is because they're elevated by the play of Aaron Rodgers. But that's not something that the GM can't, can't unsee or can unsee. You know that you had needs on defense. They filled needs on defense in other places. Same thing in this, this year. They go get Eric Stokes. Maybe not the best corner, but he's an athletic freak. I can't fault him for, for taking him. They probably took him too early. But I don't think receiver was the place to go right there. Um, Mm -hmm. I think they got a tremendous value taking Amari Rogers from Clemson in the third round to replace something that they haven't had since Randall Cobb. And I say they haven't had it. They had it in Randall Cobb light, AKA Ty Montgomery. Um, But Ty Montgomery is long gone. They have not had that dynamic slot receiver that can also play out of the backfield on third down in certain situations like that. So I think their draft last year proved to be, you know uh good enough when they had Alan Lazard and and those guys playing at, at good levels why why did they need who were they going to pick last year that was going to be better better than those guys and how they performed i'm i'm not sure if if they could have or if it would have made a bigger impact than than who they did pick um i mean the Jordan Love pick is is questionable but you see where they're going. You see that they are planning for the future, which is not a bad thing. But it is all about how you how you handle it. Yeah. Um, so that's that's I think there's blame to go around on both sides. But again, I think it'll be hard nosed by the Packers, maybe hard nosed by Rodgers. To this will be long and drawn out.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see for sure. I think that you know there's a lot of vol- volatility going around not just in that NFC in in the uh in Wisconsin but also in the NFC North um it, you know with the lions bringing on uh Jared Goff to the vikings bringing in Kellen Mond to the uh bears bringing in Justin Fields you know yeah. it, it could look that NFC North could look very different in a year or so we will see, but it's been fun talking about the draft today. It's been fun speculating the future NFL stars and also speculating about where Aaron Rodgers will end up. That's what we do best on the show is speculate.
0: <laughs> it's all and we so do. It's all, it
1: really is. <laughs> it's certainly all we do. And uh, it's been fun speculating with you today if you like the show, feel free to contact us on Twitter and uh, you can find us there. You can let us know what questions you want us to answer on the show. Let us know what you think of our draft takes and our responses to the draft. And you can also uh, rate, review, and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. But stay tuned with us as we, I'm sure, this won't be the last time we talk about the Aaron Rodgers saga. So, stay tuned listen uh this off season as we explore where rogers will end up and who knows maybe he'll even join the podcast one day open we can invitation. ask him open invitation you can tell us where you want to go on the going for two podcast that'd be fantastic so be sure to check it out every week just in case it happens or something right you always got to yeah. be coming back and listening to the whole thing because you never know if he's going to come at the end of a podcast so you got to listen to the entire podcast. And uh, we appreciate it. So, anyways, it's been a lot of fun talking with you, Logan. And until next time, thanks for listening.
0: Next year's the year.